uh, centrality of Christ. Jesus at the centre, and we're thinking about what that means as we, we go towards maturity as believers, as we think about finishing. Um, uh, we have a support to a church, and if uh, you've not been around much, it's good for you to know this, that we have some core values. Uh, there are five of them. Uh, you can find out about them on the website, or there'll be a, there's a leaflet on the welcome desk you can pick up uh, and find out. Uh, but what we're doing is uh, every you know, quarter we're going to we spend a few Sundays looking at one of those core values for a, a few weeks. And this time we're thinking about that core value. We want Jesus to be central in everything we do. Last week, uh, Louise started us off as we looked into Luke's gospel and saw that Jesus is central as we follow him, as we begin that journey with Jesus, as we go his way. We take the road that he took, and that that may involve suffering, and we talked about that last week. But knowing, too, that he promised to go with us, that his spirit is with us, and that the Jesus who, who calls us to follow him is also the glorious one who was transfigured, who uh, Peter, James, and John saw in all his glory. So we can listen to him. Next week, uh, we'll be thinking about how Jesus is central to our life as a community together as a church family, and we'll be thinking about Ephesians 4. But today, we're thinking about how Jesus is central in our lives individually, just for the whole of the journey ahead of us, not just the beginning. And I want to read some verses from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, it's in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's on page 1182. If we've still got access to those Bibles we used to have, or if you've got a Bible, we can follow it. It may even come up on the screen uh, I'm not sure. I want us to uh, start from verse 15 in chapter 1 uh, and just notice how, as I read this through, what does it tell us about Jesus and how central he is? Verse 15. This is about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is central to everything. It's just about includes everything there, isn't it? One of the great passages that talk about the identity of Jesus and, and who he is. That's not what we're thinking about because we're going to read on. Verse 21. The focus now changes. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a servant. Now Paul, writing to these Colossian believers, he says to them, look, this Jesus who's central to everything has done something for you. 
That next section in the original begins, and you. It's just been talking about how amazing Jesus is. And then Paul says, now look, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, what's, look at, at what that means for you. And you. You're connected with it. Jesus has done something for you in your life. Uh, and he goes on to explain. He, in those verses, he shows you what that is. And then he starts talking about how he, how Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter, brought that message because he's in prison at the time. Paul often was in prison. He's in prison for his uh, testimony about Jesus. But he's writing to them from prison. And then he tells them about his ministry. And that's in verse 24. Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now he starts talking about what it is he does. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. What's that, Paul? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Oh, the suspense is going. What mystery, Paul? What's that? He doesn't tell them that. Verse 27, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. But what is it, Paul? What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes from having talked about Christ, to talk about Christ and you, It's now Christ in you. That's something special and exciting. In you. Now, in verse 28 to 29, which is really where we're going to study this passage, Paul says, We proclaim Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ, or mature in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. His aim in doing all that he does is to present people, or to see the people that know Jesus, the people that Jesus is in, finish the race and be presented mature and perfect, completed because of Jesus. So let's read on. 1 to 7, which is where we're going to be focusing. So Paul says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Jesus as Lord, Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So, today we're thinking about how Jesus is central for us to be able to finish the journey, to complete well, to get to the end of the road with him. You see, the disciples, you remember what Christians were first called? Do you know what they were called before they were called Christians, according to Acts? They were called followers of, not of Jesus, or they may have been called that, but they were called followers of 
the way. Remember that? They were called followers of the way. Jesus called them to follow. He called them to, actually he called himself the way. In John 14 he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so when people talked about being followers of the way, they meant followers of the person, Jesus, but they also meant, in that sense, following him kind of on the road that he was taking them. As, uh, 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 as he takes us with us. Do you remember in Matthew 28, just before Jesus uh, left the scene, he said to his disciples, as you go, you're going to be going. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be going. And as you go, I want you to be making disciples. I want other people to become disciples. And by the way, as you go, I am with you always. On the way, as you follow, I am with you, says Jesus. So what we're thinking about today is... Um, a lifelong journey, I hope. I'm pressing the right-hand button. Oh, there it is. A, lo- the, a lifelong journey. See, Paul is talking about the end point. He says, I'm looking forward to presenting you mature in Christ. Perfect in Christ. That word perfect does, it has the idea of being complete. And it's the third time he's mentioned the future and where it's all heading in these verses. Uh, First of all, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he talks about how God has enabled the Colossians to look forward to sharing in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's uh, in the future when it's all done and the new age begins. And and verse 22, he says, I'm going to present you holy in, or rather, Christ, he has reconciled you, God has reconciled you by Christ's body through death to present you holy in his sight. That sense of the future when you'll be with Jesus. And Paul's goal is that they finish with Christ and that their lives are full of Christ right up to the point they see him face to face. Now is that tough? It can be hard. What kind of road are we going to go down? What's ahead of us on the road? We don't necessarily know. We do know that there may be suffering. We saw that last week. We know there'll be some amazing things as well. We know that Jesus will be with us on that road. But we're called to be on a road with Jesus. To be a believer, to to know God's salvation, as it's called in the Bible, is not to get some kind of insurance policy against going to hell. It's about a lifelong journey with Jesus. That's what he calls us to. That's what, what we're believers for. And, and as we go, we know the presence of God in our life as we journey with us now. As it says, as we read, Christ in us. Our relationship with Christ now. Our personal response to him now. We follow him now and his presence is with us. He is in us, the hope of glory, says Paul. Now, and that's what keeps us on the road. The hope of glory. What's that mean? Glory is, is what, what, what happens next. And, that, and that's in God's new creation. When we're with Jesus and we're with other people who love him. And, and I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be pretty amazing. We read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says it's like we've got in us a, like a, a little homing beacon. A little bit of heaven is kind of set uh, in our hearts, is, is on that wavelength. And it, you know, it's kind of there. And it's pulling us towards the end of the race, towards finishing. Well, that life in us, the Holy Spirit in us, who Paul says, is, uh, the Bible says, is the down payment of what's to come. He is that, that, that life that will burst into harvest in the new creation, and that life is 
growing in us now, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you missed all that, you can listen to it on the, on the uh, website. But it is hard work. It can be hard work for Paul. He says in verse 29, doesn't he? I labor, I struggle. <laughs> it can be hard going. But he also says, what else does he say? With all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. He admits the struggle. He says, yeah, there are times when I just don't know how I do it. But somehow I also know Jesus gives me energy and strength and spiritual power to do it. So you see, there's, there's, there's two things going on here. Christ in you, that is the sense of, of, well, we know Christ right in us now. And we also have the hope of glory. There's a long-term goal the hope of glory, but there's Christ in us now, a bit of heaven uh, in our hearts now. That's another old Graham Kendrick song. We sang an old Graham Kendrick song. Another one he wrote called Heaven is in My Heart. Remember that? Ooh, ooh heaven is in my heart. That, that's the idea of that. Now, the long-term goal and the present experience, we need both. Don't we? See, some Christians say, well, it's all about waiting for the new age. Everything God's promised, I'm looking forward to heaven and the new age. Um, there's no healing for no wholeness, no power for me. I'll wait till I get to heaven for all that kind of stuff, for all that God's done and promises in the future. Paul says, no, no, we've got the hope of glory in us now. We know God in our lives now. Other Christians would say, well, everything that God has ever promised is for me now. Heal, healing, every time, wholeness, power, no problems in my life, everything, as much money as I need, everything is for me now. Because that's what Jesus died for, it's for now. And, and, and actually, it isn't all for now. There is stuff that we have to wait for. But you don't want either or, do you? It is both and. There's the long-term goal and also the presence of God with us now. There's a bit of both. There is the now of Jesus with us, but there is also the not yet of what we may have to carry on struggling with until the day we see him face to face. Because the really tricky thing is knowing which is which, or how much of which. And there's no easy answer to that other than saying we walk with Jesus and he's at the centre of our lives and he will lead us as we go to know uh, how much we can have now and how much we'll just have to wait for. So do we get this lifelong journey then? Have we got that? Maybe you started the Christian life a long time ago. Maybe you didn't. But have you forgotten that we are on a journey? You know, I suppose lots of us have got one of these, have you? I just got one recently. Got it? Here it is. I'm very pleased with it. Oh, wrong way. I keep doing this. It's, you know, it's, it's a smartphone or you've got a sat-nav in your car. Steve Grove works for Garmin, so you can get discounts, I believe. I don't know if that's possible. But <laughs> especially if you want one for a boat, but that's another, another story. Uh, I haven't even got one for my car. I don't have a boat, but maybe. Anyway, there you are. What we, we, need, we need a map, don't we? We've got sat-navs. There's a map. And in a sense, this sense we need to have in the Christian life, this sense of we're going somewhere. <laughs> We're not just hanging, you know? People say, oh, I'm just hanging. You know, sometimes in our Christian lives, I think we can just be kind of hanging. But we need to know that we're on this journey with Jesus, and it's going somewhere. Uh, and I suppose the challenge to me, to you, is have you got it turned on? Do you realise that that's what we're supposed to be doing? 
do we realise that we're supposed to be heading towards maturity? Now, I do think it's a challenge for us as older believers. Uh, so wake up, guys, you know, if you're finding it a bit sleepy. It's a bit hot in here, I know. But as we get towards the end of our lives, it's easier to, to, to kind of forget that sometimes, ironically. And Jesus being central means that the map is on, <laughs> that we know that we're on it, and that we're aware that we're still journeying with, with him. So if it's turned off, turn it back on. Get on back onto the idea that we're on a journey with Jesus. There's purpose, there's direction. He wants us to go with him. And there's a, a place in mind that one day we will be complete in him and we keep going. Get out of the motorway services if that's where you are. I know they're attractive. Hey, I haven't got time for this, but uh, uh, did you, you notice that how, how motorway services have changed in these days, in the last five, ten years? You know, they used to be, you know, even their names were kind of terrible, weren't they? You know, trowel services up there in, in the Midlands and, and places like that. Or Watford Gap services or whatever. Now, it's all those lovely names, Waitrose and Marks and Spencers, all those, those kind of places that we love and know and trust from the high street. And they've turned these kind of cafes into kind of, I don't know, places of loveliness and, you know, <laughs> ready meals and Costa Coffee and all that kind of stuff. You can hang out for ages. In fact, I think they want you to do it because once you go over the two hours, you get a fine if you're parked in the car park. Now, I, I don't know that, by the way, by experience. I just noticed it on a, on a notice. But the thing is, we, you know, we don't want to be like that in our Christian lives, kind of sat in a service station somewhere, enjoying what we're doing, but forgetting that we should be on this journey with Jesus. So that's the first thing then, a lifelong journey. Here's the second thing from these verses, and that is that we need to know Christ on this journey. See, Paul in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 2 He's talking about how God has given him this job of helping others towards maturity. If you like, in getting the sat-navs, the spiritual sat-navs set up. And he tells them what the point is. You have to kind of, it's quite a, a tightly uh, argued section. But as you read it, you, you kind of have to start at the end of what he says to see what the point is. See, verse 2 spells out what the purpose is, to see them complete one day. And how does he describe it? In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. The same idea as chapter 1 verse 27. He said, what I want most for people is, this is it, that you may know Christ. He says, I want you to know Christ better on the journey. That's the point. He needs to be central to everything as we go on the journey. Paul wanted that for himself, didn't he? In Philippians 4, he says, or rather Philippians 3, he says, I, I, I just want to know Jesus. That's what I want most of all. I've given up everything to know him. That's what matters most to me. He wants that for himself. He wants that for the people he's writing to here. And he says that there's a comment there about Jesus is all you need, really. He said, there's enough treasures in, in Jesus to keep you going on the road. And Paul helps people know that in two ways. First of all, he says, 
I proclaim Christ. Look at verse 28. What does he say that means? He says, I admonish people. Now, admonishing means when you get, when, 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 you know, what you're hearing starts hitting your life, you know? It's, it's when somebody, you know, we, and the elders, we have these accountability questions where once a month when we pray, we ask each other really hard questions. Not like hard questions like, what does Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 mean? But questions like, um, I've forgotten one of them now. I mean, what did you do recently to uh, keep your marriage alive or encourage your spouse? Or, or those kind of questions. You know, uh, what, how, what have you been doing in your prayer life? How's your prayer life been going? These kind of questions that, they're admonishing questions. Or when, when, we, when, we, we, when we get something wrong, somebody says, look, you were in love, and you have to do this in love, and that's tricky, you're a bit out of order there. Or maybe we see it and we apologise to one another. We have to do that on the staff team sometimes. Admonishing is where it hits your life. Not just your head, but your life. And Paul says, I proclaim Christ and I admonish people. He says, I also teach people, so there's stuff to learn. He says, I do that in wisdom. And wisdom is about knowing the way to live things out. Wisdom is about putting knowledge to good use. He says, I proclaim Christ. That's how uh, I'm going to help people on the journey. And we need to be responding to Jesus who's being proclaimed. We need to be admonishing one another, as he says later in Colossians. We need to know stuff. But Paul also says in chapter 29, verse 29 rather, he says, I'm struggling. I'm contending. He uses a word that's like wrestling. It's like conflict. He says, I'm fighting. He says, I'm fighting for those that I haven't seen. See, he's not met the Colossians. They have became believers through somebody else who Paul uh, had met in Ephesus who'd gone out to their area and shared the gospel with him. You read that elsewhere in Colossians. Paul says, I've never met you, but I'm working really hard for you in prison. What's he doing? How's he, how can he help anyone in prison? He's praying. And he's writing letters. So in, he's praying. So there's a struggle on, there's a fight on. So here's the route then. We were thinking earlier, earlier about having the map on. Once you've got your map on, if you've got a sat-nav, you need the route, don't you? And Paul is saying that as Christ is being proclaimed, as we are willing to be admonished, as we are willing to be challenged, as we're willing to be accountable to one another, as we're learning stuff as we're being taught, as we put it to good use in a wise way, and wisdom often involves timing and perspective in what we do with what we're learning and what God's doing in our lives, as we do that, as we respond to that, so the root is clear. We have a map, but we also have a root. And we pray. What is this root going to look like? Paul explains that as he goes through these verses. It's all in, ver- in, in verse 2. Three things very quickly. He says, first of all, I'm, I want you to be encouraged in heart. What's your heart? He's talking about your inner, your personal life, that bit that is your identity, that bit that is the real you. And Paul is saying, I want you to be absolutely kind of secure in where you are with Jesus. Your identity connected with him. That he's the centre in that sense. And as we learn and as we put into practice, as we get, get wisdom, as we get accountable with one another, as we're in that kind of community... So that for each one of us, the heart, the core of us is encouraged as we find a home in Christ. He says, look, I want you to be encouraged in heart. 
And then he says, I want you to be united in love. And the word there is the idea of being knit together. And here's the idea of a community of believers who love one another, who know, not just stuff in their heads, but know in a relational way, know what it is to to work it out in a community. And that's really key. We need to be, if Jesus is to be at the centre, if we're going to be on this route, as it were, the route involves being rooted into a a community of believers, of uh, people who love Jesus and who can challenge us and help us along the way. Uh, and, and Paul says one other thing, he says, on the root, I want people to be rich in complete understanding. That's about our minds. He says, I want your thinking to be good. I want you to be able to get hold of enough of, of how this kind of Bible stuff fits together so that, Paul says later, you can be strong in the faith. To know what the Bible says. And, and maybe for that we need to read some books <laughs> Or we, if we don't read books, we need to have some conversations about, about how it all works, how it all fits together. Uh, we, we need to, to, to see that we've got some brain work, some mind work to do. As believers, we need to be committed to lifelong learning in one way or another because it's a lifelong journey. So encouraged in heart, united in love, rich in complete understanding in a mind. That's the, you see that I've got the, there's the root. You know, you put your sat nav on, first thing you do, you get the, the root. There it is. Paul is saying we need that root. Christ at the centre. Getting to know him on the journey. There's a route to follow, verse 4, he says, and then you won't get lost. Verse 4 says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. The Colossians were very vulnerable to that, but that's another story. I haven't got time for that now. So we need to follow the route. We know to know Jesus on the journey and there is some work involved in it. Verse 5, he says, I, uh, I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. What's that word orderly mean? Does it mean everything's all tidied up? Now, actually, the word is actually has the idea of discipline, actually. has the idea of, you know, you're serious about your faith. You're strong in your faith because you're, you're not just kind of drifting around. You're, you're, you're on the case with God. And you're allowing him to be on the case with you. I said this a, a week or so ago, as I was reminded earlier. You know, we have this idea that, that grace means we just don't do anything. You know, to live in grace, we think, is to sit in, you know, a, the equivalent of a spiritual um, waitrose service area on the road. But as uh, Dallas Willard says, um, got to get this right, the opposite of grace is not doing nothing. You see, the opposite of grace is wages. It's getting, you know, getting salvation as a wage for what you do. That's the opposite of grace. Hard work is not the opposite of grace. It's okay. We do need to be committed to the disciplines of following Jesus. So, let's go on to verses 6 to 7 then. Paul sums it up then, finally... He tells them what they need to do as they follow. He then kind of gives them directions. Okay, it's the third thing you get from your sat-nav. You've got the map, the big picture, you've got the roots, and you also need directions. And here Paul is saying what that means. You know, you, you need to actually know what sat-navs do. They talk to you, don't they? Um, even smartphones will do that, as I discovered, too. But quite by surprise, actually. It's quite interesting. 
that whilst looking at a map, trying to figure out where I was, suddenly it said, turn right. So I thought, oh, right, okay. I wonder what was going on. But anyway, the directions are there. What are the directions? Well, again, verses 6 and 7. It's all back to Christ at the centre of our lives as Lord. See that? As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. The one we follow, the one we obey, the one we trust, the one we love. Responding to Christ then as we go. Continue as you began. Right through your life. Continue as we began. Verse 6. Keep going as you began. How did it all begin with you in the Christian life? Do any of you actually remember it? Some of you do. What was involved? (laughs) How did it all begin with you and Jesus? Well, there was repentance. I was accepting his view of yourself, not yours, not mine, but God's view, Jesus' view. There was understanding what Jesus could, that Jesus could rescue me and you. And I responded to that in faith. I trusted him, so did you. I started to obey him, so did you. Got baptised. If you haven't got baptised yet, opportunity, do it. Because Jesus calls us to be obedient and baptism is one of the things we're to obey him in. And all those basic steps. Okay, that's how it began. Well, that's how it continues. Let's not stop repenting. Let's not stop trusting Jesus. Let's not stop obeying him. Serving him. How it began, it continues in the same way. It's always great. I don't know whether you you have this experience as a a, a believer. I've been a Christian a long time. It always challenges and helps me to be around new Christians or young Christians. Uh, You know, we're talking at lunchtime. The the air seems a bit kind of clearer around younger believers. It's great. Uh, I I really enjoyed being at the CU meeting on on Friday at Unite. And it was great to be with those guys um, when at the end of the meeting we had a uh, I, was, I was not really sure how it went. I was feeling a bit fed up, actually, to be honest. I was sitting on about the third... Well, that's me, anyway. Third row back, and, and, and the band got, kind of got a circle, and they said, you know, come down. So I came, and, and they invited me to... You know, I got in there, they had this kind of rugby scrum prayer at the end. And, whoa, you know, it was great. Oh, that was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, God, thank you, God, for all the things you've done, you know. And, you know, so, and, and I, I thought, whoa, this is... I mean, they, they, their, their freshness and their responsiveness. I was a bit miserable and thinking, oh, I didn't know that was any good. And, and you know, I, I was just lifted by these people because they're young in their faith and it's fantastic. We need to keep going on like that, don't we? We should be more like young Christians, maybe more like students, all of us. More with that sense of, yeah, we can do anything because God is as good as his word. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're, we're naive. Sometimes there's a naivety that's there. But sometimes we can say, well, we're not naive. But what we really mean is that we're cynical or we just have stopped daring to trust that Jesus could do something that we might want him or ask him to do. So, as you be- continue as you began, says Paul. And then he says one other thing. He says, as you were rooted... So you need to be built up in him. The idea of rooted is the idea of foundations. You know, when the church building was done, went round the back one day, uh, and there it was. There was a little row of kind of square in the ground. It was where the new creche conservatory was going to be, and is. Well, it would have been a bit daft, wouldn't it, if all there was on the ground was, you know, at the end of the at the end of the job, there they were, just you know, just you know, one brick layer, of course. Our Christian lives mustn't be like that. Got to keep building. The same shape, 
The same stuff. Keep going with God right to the very end. And then Paul says one other thing. He says, I want you to be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And, along with that, they're both pairs, you see. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Yes, we need to learn stuff. We need to get hold of the truth. We need to have it clear in our heads what we believe. That's really, really important. That our faith is strengthened in that way, as we are taught. But there's more to that. You need to be overflowing with thankfulness as well. I've met some people who are really well taught. And are really well miserable. Paul says, be really well taught, but be thankful. Think about being thankful for a minute. When does that get expressed? It's out of a relationship. You know someone, you thank them. You know, they do something for you, you say, oh, thanks. It comes out of seeing Jesus do things. It comes out of being aware of how much he's done for us and how much he's given us. As we hear those directions, as it were, from him, as we continue in this way, we're able to see it and be thankful and turn it back to praise. So I've got to finish now. It's just a well, because that's what the notes say. In responding, what about the map then? Do I realise, do you realise that we're on a journey, that we're following Jesus, that we're going right to the very end of the journey with him, whatever happens, so we stick in it and we keep going and we realise that there is a map and we keep it turned on. That's the first thing. Second thing, what about the root? Do we really live to know Jesus on the journey, to know him as the main thing, to learn more of him, all that stuff Paul talks about? Knowing who we are with him, encouraged in our hearts, knowing what it is to be in relationship with other believers, having settled minds about it, learning and responding with him. That's the root. Have we got that? And of course, lastly, are we taking directions from him? Are we responding to him as the centre of our lives as we go? Carrying on as it started. Building on the foundations. Being taught, but overflowing with thankfulness. And the reason we do that, because we know (laughs) he's with us to thank him. Taking the directions. Let's aim to finish well, to keep going, to know Christ at the centre of our lives, individually, for the whole of our lives. Because he's worth it. He'll be glorified and honoured in that. Whatever we go through, he uh, he will be glorified and we will be blessed.